Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we are talking about the final two episodes of Lucifer Season 3, Episode 25 and 26, Boo Normal and Once Upon a Time. We are at the end of our Lucifer Season 3 journey. Tomorrow we're going to do our season wrap up. And it occurs to me that yesterday we talked about how we needed to talk to... LaToya wanted us to explain Cinderman, <laughs> and then we didn't. So we're going to have to do that tomorrow because there will be no Cinderman discussion today because these Thank two God don't exist in that timeline. So we don't need that. Um, so uh, instead, we're just going to talk about these. And uh, where to start? Uh, I I liked them both. I was very charmed by them. But I think we should start where Noel texted me. And that's with our casting. So how happy were we with the casting of Azriel and and Charlene Yi, of course, being, you know, the casting. And were you guys surprised by, I mean, I obviously I didn't, you know, I said nothing about it. So you guys could just enjoy that without like a tease that there was a fun guest star. But what did you, did you connect Ray Ray to Azriel early in the episode? Or was that a surprise? For me, it was a surprise the first time I watched it. And what, what did you think of, you know, our continued interesting casting for the family of, of I don't know, the Lucifer family. You know what the family name do, would be. Do I get a Caldwell for that? Do I get Oh, totally. Like, yeah. There are actually, there are multiple Caldwells for this because first of all, we did not get the green t-shirt, but we did get a novelty t-shirt. That One. is green. That is greenish. And yeah. very ugly. Yeah. Extremely ugly. Uh, he wasn't wearing it without the button down, so it doesn't quite count. Yeah. So I guess that's a called ish. Um, Noel definitely gets a called well on uh, Ella and some sort of otherworldly, supernatural, holy ghosty situation. Listening to Celestials, yep. Yeah, yep. 100%. Um, I get one on both of these being the Ella centric episode and the what if. Chloe and Lucifer had never met, even if it's not quite that. I think it still counts as a cult well and not a cultish. Um, and I think there were a couple more. But yeah, lo- loads of them. We did good in that exact category. Yes. No, so I text listeners and Allison, I texted Kate immediately with Sherlyn Yee? Like, Sherlyn, period. Yee, period. Because um, it's just like, yes! Just all of this, yes. Um, and I was just really, really happy with it because I appreciate the fact that it wasn't Michael Imperioli. <laughs> it wasn't D.B. Woodside. It wasn't Tom Ellis. It was someone different. Like, it was someone with, like, a personality <laughs> that isn't defined by being rebellious against dad. Um, and so I really, really appreciated that the angel pantheon at least has some sense of personality and diversity within it, um, in terms of how people talk about their jobs and think about their jobs and relationships to one another in very different sort of ways and ways of delivering that as well. Um, and so I really, really, really liked that. I also just kind of went wait how do you get to we're gonna do the angel of death and then go 
to the lady who voices the cute Korean girl in We Bear Bears. Like, I just, I'm trying to figure out, like, that decision. I was trying to figure out that decision during that. And I then went, oh, but you did it backwards. You started with Ella and then went, who do do we match Ella with, basically, was where my brain went. And I was, I was very pleased with that because you have to match it because otherwise, why would Ella keep talking to them? You need someone that's on that kind of a similar sort of level and that has that same kind of delivery, has the same kind of performance um, style. So I really, really appreciate it. And the thought that went into that teaching, that casting. And then I just really liked her scene with Tom Ellis and Lucifer at the end. I really, really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, So yeah, it, it made me very, very happy. Allison, how did you feel about it? Oh, I mean, I loved it. Um, I, like Kate, was pretty charmed by both of these episodes. I ended up liking them both a little bit more than I expected. Well, no, that's not quite true. I liked this one considerably, the first one considerably more than I expected to. Um, I think that the finale-ish, the fish nally, I don't know, um, was a bit of a mixed bag for me but with some really good stuff in it and was an interesting thought exercise as those episodes usually are um and with this one the the casting was just such a delightful surprise and yet not really a surprise because i feel like it's also sort of in keeping with lauren lapkus right where at some point they someone along the way realized oh well if they're immortal beings who are not actually humans then the physical form in which we see them can really be anything we want you know like there it can there are no rules um when it comes to what they can look like or sound like like um like god johnson as well even though obviously that debatable but it's just um i think it's one of the better aspects of this show that they seem to be not only committed to this but doing it with greater frequency um and uh they were obviously delayed together i agree with noel that it seems like they probably cast um charlene yi to uh match up with ella and i think very effectively um they were incredibly charming together i was very surprised kate to your question by the idea of her being asriel and i think the nickname ray ray helps a lot with that because if it had been riri or like azzy or something i probably would have got there but um but as it stands I, i did not see it coming and thought it was really wonderful um and an interesting contrast with an episode i'm not I'm sure it wasn't intended to air back to back with where this one Lucifer thinks he's being manipulated again. And then that's not what it is. It's an act of love and not an act of manipulation, um, which contrasts with the argument that God makes in the second episode. So I think that all around pretty inspired and what a lovely little performance. Yeah. Marcus says, I remember us talking about how Michael Imperioli was such a different looking casting choice and just thinking, uh, just you wait. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Um, and for me, I was just, I was just very charmed by, by this episode and like, you know, having such a different vibe and energy, especially because theoretically, right. There are multitudes, like literally multitudes of angels having uh, at least finally a little difference in like just energy and personality it's really important if you want us to be interested at all when when they pop up and that's yeah it's it's much more um interesting and effective i think the the scenes with 
um, the scene with Azrael and um, and Lucifer, I thought was super was super fun, really nice, and a good, uh, you know, our first comparison to everything we got uh, with Uriel, right? And the the sense of life before the rebellion was like we we've gotten very few glimpses at it aside from the stuff with Uriel because Amenadiel and Lucifer don't talk about that. Um, and I thought that the app, the ending with at the, at the station was just absolutely beautiful. And that notion of, this is the first sense I think I've gotten from the show of him. In, obviously he, he has, is fond of, of Ella, but it's also him looking to fill that hole in his family that he doesn't have anymore. And that, um, just him, him, him missing what he had when he was younger with, in this case with Azriel, right? Prattering, prattering away about whatever topics she's interested in. Um, and that the simplicity of the performance in that, and just, I think, I think probably most people can relate to having those types of relations where somebody gets really into a thing and you don't care about it, but their enthusiasm is what you enjoy as they talk about it. Uh, it was just, it was very relatable and it was a touch of wistfulness that we don't usually get from the character. The other thing we got to talk about from the Azrael and Lucifer scene is, it, you know, based on, and I look forward to the Caldwell's thoughts on this, but I know that the whole Lucy nickname is uh, contentious amongst the <laughs> listenership. So how do we feel about Lou? Love it. Love it. No, it's so good. It's way better. It's way better. Even Lulu. Because then you could even, if you want, if you're feeling really spicy, you could turn Lou into Lulu. Um, I love it. See, I prefer Lucy, but I love Azrael using Lou. I love that the different, like some of the different people have different terms of endearment or, you know, teasing nicknames that they use. And it, it like if she had been saying Lucy, it wouldn't have fit as well as her saying Lou. It just really instantly tells you so much about their dynamic that that Amenadiel calls him Lucy and her his little sister calls him Lou. Um, yeah, it's really, it, I loved it. It was charming. Uh, this is also something we, we mentioned earlier, or Latoya, I should say, mentioned earlier and we were talking maybe in season two or maybe at the beginning of season three um, because this is our furry episode and this is the episode where they made sure that they talked to a consultant so that they would do furries right and not uh, you know like because they're so rarely represented with anything approaching um, awareness of what the energy and culture of the furry community actually is Um, so how did you guys like our furry convention the Marcus the character and like all the everything we were getting with that. What did you think? I got so nervous when I saw the costume. I just got so, so nervous. I was like, oh no. Oh no. I know this is season two, so it's probably okay. Mm-hmm. But I got so nervous. Um, so I was really glad when like it wasn't like a pivotal point for the episode. Um, that made me very, very happy. And as opposed to just a a little bit of like a red herring detour. Um I do think that there just wouldn't be a big brawl in <laughs> a, during a convention like that. Um, I don't think that that's how that would work among that community, but I also am not part of it, so I don't know. But it doesn't feel accurate, but you need that little bit of a set piece of some kind. Um, but so that it, overall, it worked really well for me. And I'm glad we like went into it and went out um, as opposed to making it a larger thing. Um, 
my my only thing and is I, we just didn't get enough of Chloe undercover at the furry convention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going, hello, my fellow furries. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I was also worried when I saw the, the suit. Um, I wish that, that there had been more undercover Chloe, uh, but more specifically, I wish that her voice had been muffled. <laughs> like, uh-huh. This is such a dumb thing, but the mm-hmm. but the ADR is like crystal clear, and it didn't. It, it feels like, if nothing else, it would have been just a little bit funnier if it had been like, "Hey, do you know anyone named Franklin?" Right? LAPD, dude. It just would have been, um, I think, that much funnier. Uh, I like that, as usual, Chloe is just totally left out to dry whenever there's any sort of undercover work, whether she's the one that's undercover or she's doing the sort of quarterbacking and they're undercover. Chloe just cannot catch a break. Ella obviously was doing her best, but come on. it's This is a dangerous job. You got to get it together. Um, and while I agree that it seems unlikely that there would be a fight at one of these events, it was uh, a good visual. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the part of the episode actually was that I think was the least accurate was the public school orchestra teacher thinking that the incredibly talented violinist is going to like make it big and take him with him. Like that's, that's not how that works. Also, like there's like, yeah, he was actually getting more serious starting private lessons. Like no one is teaching themselves the Bach Chacone. I'm sorry. Like it's one of the more challenging pieces ever composed for the violin like emotionally and 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 uh technically so like there's no he's had private teachers since he was like five you know like but okay show i did like the choice of the bakchacon for what the that's the piece that um he's playing off screen when chloe is interviewing the mom and it is a piece that's it's really unusual for bach and it little kate's classical corner here um but uh it was bach composed it um after the death of his first wife and it's really emotional and really filled with um like there's just a lot of angst and drama in it it's it's in d minor um and it's just it goes on forever it's like i when i i did it for my um master's recital along with the rest of the that piece that it's part of and i had to split just that part of the video into a separate video because this is back when youtube wouldn't let you do more than 15 minutes. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a super intense and emotional and interesting choice. So that's a very interesting choice for the piece that there, that he was practicing after knowing that his dad killed his therapist and that he's trying to cover. Like that was actually a really interesting and thoughtful choice. Um, But just some of the other stuff around it was very strange. Yeah. Um, my, wow, that doesn't seem right for, for this particular case of the week is the idea, not the idea that someone would be wearing so much perfume that it would give somebody else an allergic reaction minutes later, which obviously would happen and has happened all the time. I do not have an allergy, but can be very sensitive to perfume. So I get headaches on the CTA all the time when someone is wearing just too much of some sort of, um, scent of some kind i it just is the worst um but it does seem like a bit of a stretch that somehow 
the wife's perfume was so strong that even though she wasn't there, her husband would be so dosed in perfume that it would give somebody an allergic reaction. Uh, that seemed like, oh, I think we forgot to put in another clue. Let's throw something in at the last minute for me. Whereas my whole thing in all of this is, wait, Asriel doesn't ask about her knife at all. I feel like that's something that should have been addressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where wait, was this have you seen my... in season two? Yeah. I'm missing, I'm missing a... I'm missing the thing I used to kill people with. Where's my knife? <laughs> um, it's literally my job. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's an issue that Asriel should have. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. It's a big old gap there. Too distracted by being buds with Ella to notice that she misplaced her blade. Which yeah. fair, just yeah. fair. Because I I appreciated, like, my partner pointed this out, and I was thinking about it while watching it, but she's actually vocalized it, which is something we've been doing a lot lately, is, wait, do you think Ella made that I Love LA t-shirt? Because it looks like she sewed it herself. Like, the little heart patch and everything looks, like, homemade, and it's just like, she's so sweet. <laughs> Ooh, that reminds me of another because I agree. I, I that hadn't occurred to me, but her "I Love LA" shirt was very charming to me and seemed very well. For, I mean, because Ella seemed like a human being this entire episode, it was so refreshing. Um, but I do not buy for a second that that incredibly capable young woman would notice a streak of blood on the door and not put gloves on before I she opened it. I said that out loud. I was like, yeah. gloves? I was like, no! Glo- Ella, you know better than this. Gloves! Gloves! Yeah. Well, the part of the episode that... Well, there's two more things I want to talk about for this episode before we go to the last one. And we haven't talked about Dan and Lucifer and the, the t-shirts and um, all that. <laughs> so at least at the Six Flags uh, around Chicagoland, the one that's up north, uh, Viper is like one of the least scary rides, but um, but that's fun. Uh, and I thought that they, the, I loved all the video. It didn't make a lick of sense, but I don't care because it was funny. And uh, having, uh, ha- having another just like side quest, I guess, just let's keep them busy with this teenager. Um, was delightful and I was very here for it. I've, I've really enjoyed the Dan and Lucy uh, buddy cop time that we've gotten. Uh, Dan, I, I also enjoyed this subplot. Poor Dan. But then the, the sort of loveliness of him gloating because Lucifer also lost the teenager and then remembering that Lucifer lost the teenager and that is bad because she's a suspect in a murder investigation was really well done. Um, 200 for the price of 200 <laughs> was really funny. And a banner somehow that they just yeah. tossed in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the devil. He works in mysterious ways. Um, but Lucifer sort of acceding to the idea that like, yeah, well, maybe we'll both keep our mistakes to ourselves, but I'm still going to enjoy this thing. Um, I... My only roller coaster commentary is that I I think that it would have been funnier if it had been on like a slightly low, more low key roller coaster, <laughs> if Dan had been trapped on like the Gemini or like something like me fun. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was good. It was a good little subplot. Kevin Alejandro just really killed it this season, like all the way through. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I don't like roller coasters, so I feel Dan's. Pain oh, I love him. I love him. Um, the other thing I wanted to just briefly touch on was Ella moving back to Detroit. Her brother that we've previously met, um, 
going, uh, moving back. And I thought, I thought that as a, as a starting point for the episode, as a point of conflict and, uh, you know, like the notion that she was going to like move immediately is ridiculous. But the idea that like, she's going to start heading in a direction so that she can transfer. And I thought, I thought that that worked really well. And, uh, again, Chloe is awesome when they let her be Chloe because everything like the emotional through line through the episode really, really worked. Uh, I, I, I totally buy somebody, you know, if you have a guardian angel who just likes to hang out sometimes, like this being the level of thing that would cause Ray Ray to step in and be like, okay, no, your family is trash. Your family is garbage and trash. They're such uh, trash. All of them. All the yeah, brothers all we haven't terrible. met are all terrible. <laughs> and I also like the, the, the thing that this does, which is just tell us that now all of her, at least maybe she has one brother who's still here, but it sounds like all of her brothers are now in Detroit. So we don't have to deal with her family making her life miserable, at least in person. So, yay. Indeed. Um, Yeah, Chloe was a great friend in this episode. And I really liked that final scene of theirs, um, which seems very in keeping with Chloe. And maybe she's not processing it right away. And maybe she needs a second to take it in. But she's listening. And it was really nice. Well done. Any final thoughts on this one? I guess, you know, we've given our thoughts, but we haven't gotten the thoughts from, from Marcus and Keenan here. Uh, how do we feel about Lou? It's a yay from Marcus. That is correct, Marcus. Uh, Keenan says Lou is the only acceptable nickname. Good to know where we all, or Lucinda, if it's Dan. <laughs> only if it's Dan. Um, okay, uh, let's move on to Once Upon a Time. And narrated by Neil Gaiman, who, of course, is the writer uh, who originated the characters. Uh, what did What did you guys think? I mean, I, I'm here for an alt universe episode. That was fun. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fine is the correct thing. I think there's a number of like nice touches throughout the episode. Um, like, I like the very subtle costuming choice that um, Doctor Linda's necklace in the final scene is a long needle, basically mirroring Amenadiel's necklace. Um, I really appreciated that. Um, but I also appreciated like a bunch of other small touches, including like the whole thing with the NASCAR thing going real slowly and the wheels still kind of moving and the car itself still moving as well. I really, really liked. Um, but I think that there's also just a really good overall pace to this episode as well. Um, that the procedural feels really central, but also interesting and everything feels really kind of fun and zippy and a lot of that i think comes down to the script but a lot of that also comes down to kevin alejandro directing this week's episode oh did uh, he yes he directed Good this episode job, buddy and it's really well directed um but more than anything about this episode i'm glad that dan and charlotte get a win <laughs> See, and this is why specifically the toy is like, don't bump this one up. Watch it at the end. Yeah. You need a happily ever after. <laughs> um, and yeah. Keenan very rightfully asks, do stunt drivers just pivot to NASCAR? Listen, I tune out whenever my dad starts his NASCAR talk, but in, is that a thing that happens? Not to nitpick, sorry. And no, I had that same thought. Keenan, like, you train for that. You have to do a lot of work to get into that. You don't just transition into it. Um, so, no, I just went, this is not a thing. This is not how any of this works. But 
Okay. <laughs> Allison, what did you think about this episode? And we haven't even talked about Maze's cult yet. Oh, Maze's <laughs> cult. So dark. The it's mask so thing dark. is messed up. Straight out um, of the comics. Is it? Yeah. Ugh, yikes. Because in the comics, half of her face is devil. Like, it was for Halloween, but all the time. Mm. She has a mask. Yeah, it okay. really messed up uh also the idea that she would encourage people to sin because yes. it means she can have more fun later just really dark and upsetting um so if nothing else uh i think of all of them maze is the one who is the best off in the original <laughs> timeline um i like because um, uh, amenadiel basically is seems to be on the same path and like working up to human i guess linda gets kind of a raw deal and that she's famous but she's also um metaphorically selling her soul not literally an important distinction on this show um you know i liked it i didn't quite love it because i think if the idea is that chloe and lucifer would have ended up in the place they are anyway there are maybe more interesting ways of expressing that if only in sort of a um like a timey-wimey probably isn't the right word, but in like a sliding doors kind of way, sure. right? Um, it just seemed a little like, oh, now they meet up. And of course, then everything happens exactly as you expect it to. Um, and then there we are. We're on track. Uh, it, w- it was an interesting story, but I think could have maybe been a little bit more interesting. Um that said, I very much enjoyed the fact that they still have Ella as a forensic specialist. Um, it's just so in a very, stupid. it's so dumb. Um, but like, but it works. It, it worked. It just really worked for me. Uh, the highlight from, for me personally is Dan and Charlotte getting their happy ending. Um, even if they're going to hell. Um, cause maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll be in hell together. I guess that's not how it works, but, um, heading off to Vegas with Lucifer's riches and who knows, maybe they'll find redemption of some kind there. I doubt it, but, uh, but it was, but that was really nice and satisfying. And I'm worried about Linda. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about Linda. Does, does that mean Linda has the capacity to be sort of in that place in the real world? I hope not. Poor Linda. I hope not, because, I mean, like, she, the entire implication is is that Chloe got her this TV deal, <laughs> which is horrifying. Um, just, it's really just, I don't like it. And the wig that they have Rachel Harrison is just so bad. It's not as bad as the one that they put Leslie and Brant in, but it's, it's rough. It's bad. It's um, <laughs> it, It's not quite top tier of the pantheon of bad TV wigs, which yeah. of course is reserved for uh, all of the wigs that men wear on Legends of Tomorrow and uh, the season two Outlander Jamie wigs. But um, and let's not known. forget like the season season two or three Alicia Florek wig on The Good Wife oh, is yep, real bad. Yep, yep, yep. That's a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. There's a lot of bad wigs on The Good Wife that they put Juliana Margulies in. <laughs> yeah, those are, uh, that is a very righteous addition. Uh, but it's a bad wig. It was, it got, somehow got better through the episode. Maybe they started styling it slightly mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. Because eventually I was like, oh, that could be worse. It's not great, but it could be worse. But that first shot, I was like, wow, is that like fishing line like what is that wig made of it was bad really bad uh counterpoint not about the wig because the wig's bad okay <laughs> i was like kate this no. is over <laughs> take yeah um counterpoint while 
I'm more worried about Dr. Linda in this reality. I'm less worried about humanity because in my brain, Dr. Linda is a thing that Dr. <laughs> Phil is not. So oh. Instead of Dr. Phil, they have Dr. Linda and who may need to examine her, her, her morals from time to time. Uh, but certainly the people, even with that caveat, even with what we see, the people she's treating are far better off than most. Except when she's bamboozling them with, by the way, your, your new wife is cheating on you. Let's talk about it on my first run syndication talk show. That's not a good thing. (laughs) No, it's not. But is it, I still feel like even with that, it's better than your Dr. But. Yeah, no, it is. It's true. It's better than your yeah, Dr. But... Phil's and it's better than your Dr. Oz's. But she's not a medical doctor. <laughs> but neither yeah, is but Dr. Her, Oz. Her hell loop <laughs> is going to be watching that man yeah. cry yes. for eternity. Yeah. Oh, dark. Yeah. Not good. Um, the other thing we haven't talked about uh, that I really liked was getting to see Chloe and her dad together was actually really lovely. And um, I think we're supposed to take away from the ending that they will end up where they are in our like normal timeline, but I don't for a second buy that she's going to leave acting to go start out as a beat cop. Like, yeah, no, that's not a thing. That's This isn't the rookie. (laughs) Yeah. This is not the rookie. Like have her like start a charity where she works cold cases with lawyer. Like there are other ways they could have done that. That weren't, I'm going to straight up become a cop. Like not for a second. Did I buy it? So there was that. But, but I think that's made up for with some of the other fun things that we get. I, the, the banter back and forth was really fun and like sneaking in and uh, into the, the NASCAR thing, um, the weaponizer lines. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of, of fun stuff, I thought. Tough that speech sounded familiar. <laughs> so I think they did the stuff that you that you kind of have to do when you have an alt universe show like that, like characters who normally can't make out. They have them make out. Right. Uh, with with Charlotte and Lucifer, um, the, the somebody in the writer room is very very committed to that, right? <laughs> the fact that they like we need a reason for her to be in the the penthouse, so let's do this. Um, and and then like characters that we that we enjoy getting different haircuts, or and you know Ella's got the big tattoo and everything. So I thought they they kind of hit the beats that you're supposed to hit in that type of a thing, and it was such a treat to see. Like season one amenadiel, like the the out costumes and, and everything, it was it was fun. It was yeah, it was it was a it was a nice way to end. If they're gonna cut off the show, can you, again, can you imagine that cliffhanger and then these two episodes and just being so like, weird. oh yeah. my god, I could almost understand like if the cliffhanger and then the alt universe episode mm-hmm. maybe, but throwing the Ella one in there. Screw you, Fox. Uh, I have one big complaint about this episode that I'm shocked that Kate has not mentioned, which is that this timeline, while there are lots of good things about it, is also the darkest timeline because Trixie does not exist. Yeah, exactly. Trixie doesn't exist. That's uh, mm-hmm. not acceptable. Not acceptable. Why do you think Maze is the way that she is? Because she can't meet. There's no way for her to meet Trixie, you know, and therefore she's doomed to to this creepy intense version of herself yeah it's uh and also you know dan 
and also, you know, Chloe, but. Surely Chloe could have been doing a ride along with Dan and they could have hooked up and she could have decided to keep the baby. Like, surely there could. But then Trixie would be like overly spoiled, maybe because she's the daughter of a movie star. I don't know. They could have done something. They could Mm -hmm. have found something to throw in there. And yeah. see, like, the Trixie thing's one thing, but my my thing was, wait, did Amenadiel still come and, like, bless Penelope and everything? It was like, how did that work exactly? How is Chloe here? Because when we were told about Chloe's conception before, <laughs> yeah, I had questions about that as well. Um, but I appreciate you mentioning, like, Amenadiel being back in his whole angel regalia, whereas I'm sure D.B. Woodside saw that on the call sheet and went, wait. No, on a racetrack in Los Angeles <laughs> at noon? <laughs> no, sir. I'm those not leaving pants. my trailer. <laughs> oh, those pants. Uh, every time I see them, I feel worse and worse for him. They're so, they're so like Liza Minnelli in 1978, but without any sequins and without any platforms. They're just breezy for no reason. They're just no bad. And they don't breathe. You know they don't breathe. Polyester through and through, baby. That was a... I enjoyed that. Like Noel, I enjoyed that sequence a lot. I appreciated that they were moving so fast that they were still sort of moving and whatever. It's not quite up there with... um, the season two opener where Lucifer and Amenadiel are um, yes. stopping the bank robbery, uh, but it was entertaining and watching Lucifer pull the guy out of the race car um, was something else. It was cool. Yeah. That was a fun way to, and when, when, it, when he's just telling him, Oh, now leave now. I'm good. No, I'm, I'm, you have to go so that I can do this, do this thing. <laughs> so it's not just, I'm summing him here. I'm now like, shoo. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Keenan and Marcus, if you have any other thoughts on the episode, drop them into the chat or anything you want us to talk about. But um, yeah, so tomorrow we'll hit our whole what is a Cinnerman thing. Um, any other thoughts on these episodes or the show, uh, like the season or any other reflections as you, as you watch these two? Because like, the, la- like the, the last, that's the thing is like the last four, three to four episodes really leaves a positive taste on the palate. And I have to, like, remind myself, no, I was yelling at my TV last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think I'm going to... I'm going to still think a little bit on this season, I think. And I want to know what our what our listeners think. Um, hopefully some of you can join us tomorrow and it's not just the three of us talking to ourselves again. LaToya, come back. Um, <laughs> uh, but I do think... That may be part of the reason that these two episodes work as well as they did for me is because there's no peers, which is not that because now I'm the Tom Welling apologist. It's not that there's no Tom Welling. It's that that character never worked except for when he was playing Dust in the Wind. So it, it was just really refreshing to just see the writers working with characters that they know intimately and writing them like human beings, as opposed to having to retrofit characters they used to know intimately to a character that doesn't make any sense. Like Pierce was, that character was so poorly developed that it affected the development of all of the other characters around him. And that is really a shame, I think. So, um, so I guess it was nice to do without, it was a cane free zone. 
I, I was just waiting for it to be revealed that NASCAR was somehow in the pocket of deep of uh, Big Sinner Man. Like, <laughs> I just assumed that's what was going to happen. <laughs> that like that was how oh god of course that's how the stunt driver became a nascar driver is he got a favor, favor from, from the, the center center man. man yeah see it's all connected <laughs> look oh, at god. look at my board <laughs> <laughs> see i thought you were doing it a, a jada look over there nope nope I've, I've got a whole board i was doing the thing from always sunny yep. instead <laughs> very nice well, that's going to wrap up our conversation on Boo Normal and Once Upon a Time. Oh, thoughts on Neil Gaiman as the, as the voice of God? My partner and I were both upset that it wasn't Timothy. <laughs> yeah. Timothy Elmanson? Yeah. We were both just like, but why isn't it him? We know why, yeah, but why isn't it? It just feels a little cheeky that it's Neil Gaiman. Um, but it also just I, just... I just didn't care because it also, like... It humanizes God, which is a weird choice to make on this show, given that he's an antagonistic force. Um, so I was just like, no, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, I liked the surprise of it when I realized what was happening. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then they basically did nothing with it, which is too bad. Keenan says, I found the last two little sign-off lines entirely too arch and twee about, oh, our children, we'll do anything for them or whatever. Which and is a very yeah. gaming thing to do anyway. <laughs> Sandman aside. <laughs> I get why. Yeah. And I respect why, but I also would have preferred Scott Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Anyways, so we'll be back tomorrow to do our season three wrap-up and to hear from all y'all. And, uh, uh, what I'm going to say is let's ponder for tomorrow some things that we liked about this season. If we can think of episodes or or moments or things that besides how much we love Dan. Let, maybe that can be our, our, our challenge and our homework tonight so that we have a range of things to talk about tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Keenan and Marcus, for hanging out with us in the chat. And uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.